Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going fantastic. Great to hear from you. Good Down to hear from Columbia. you, too. Down in Columbia. Hey, you got to watch out for it. Here's, here's another. I didn't see any people who sleep with donkeys. Okay, yeah, I know. But there's, there's this drug, uh, the world's most dangerous drug. I can't remember what it's called. It's worse it's than carfentanil? No, it's, it's different. It's, uh, it's like people blow it in your face and then you, you just black out and do whatever they say, basically. So there's, oh, wow. there's this vice documentary. It's called The World's Most Dangerous Drug. And it like, apparently grows on plants that are readily available in Colombia or something. Uh, Interesting. I'm trying to remember the name. It's also available in some anti-emetics, like anti-nausea medications in the States. Um, and I'm trying to remember it, but in, in these doses that they're giving him, there, there was one story in this vice documentary of this guy, like they'll, criminals will blow it in your face and then just take you to the ATM and tell you to empty out your bank right. account and give them the money. And you just kind of willingly do whatever they suggest. Another That's person bizarre. loaded up, uh, like help these thieves empty out his apartment of all the furniture, like, and, and put it into a moving truck while, uh, on this drug. And uh, I remember uh, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel talking about it. They, they took this anti-emetic that had this drug in it um, on a cruise and smoked some weed and just blacked out and did some crazy shit uh, while they were on this cruise and like couldn't remember it. And so, yeah. uh, I don't know. Anyways, watch out for that. Oh, scopolamine. Oh. Scopolamine. scopolamine. That's scopolamine. the name of it. Scopolamine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Watch that documentary, folks. It's a great one. I will. I will keep my lookout for scopolamine because God forbid someone yeah, blows that in my face that. and then ask yeah. me to sleep with a donkey. So, yeah, exactly. We don't want that. Columbia, man, it's a wild place, dude. Wild yeah. place. Got to watch yourself. I will. So today we wanted to come out from the last episode. We talked about Kobe Bryant, um, and I wanted to talk more specifically about like to what degree can someone be redeemed? And by that, I mean, there are people, most people have done things they regret in their life, or most people have done things they should not have done. And I think it's, you know, more evident when it's celebrities, and we hear about these things in their past. And I'm interested in talking about what is the limit of, of something bad someone can do that you or I even personally, let's say, would think they can you know, be forgiven and, and can come back mm-hmm. from it. Because, um, you know, not to go into it, I've d- definitely done stuff in my past that I regret that I had the wrong mindset, I made mistakes, and I've owned up to it. And I, some people might never forgive me, some people will forgive me. And, you know, that's just something I have to own. But I'm interested in kind of what do at least we think the limits are. So, you know, there's you were talking about Conor McGregor and how he owned up to it. And he, you know, he was kind of being a shitty person. He punched some old guy in the face. You know, then there's Kobe Bryant who, you know, cheated on his wife and allegedly raped someone. You have Tiger Woods who just had a ton of different affairs. You have Michael Jackson who people still love his music. You have Bill Cosby, you have Harvey Weinstein. There's so many, like there's a a wide, you have OJ Simpson we talked about. So there's this wide range of bad behavior and, you know, I'm interested to try and think where I and, and where you view the limit. And also, I think it mm-hmm. does it or does it not change if they say they've changed, right? So if they say they've right. redeemed themselves or are trying to redeem themselves, does that 
make a difference? And if so, how much? Yeah, man, good, good question. Um, well, I think it, a lot of it has to do with what this person is to you, right? What kind of relationship you have with them, mm-hmm. what it means to you, right? I mean, so for someone like Kobe Bryant or, um, or uh, Tiger Woods, like I'm, I'm guessing that they have to do a lot more to redeem themselves to their loved ones or to their spouses. Well, I guess Tiger Woods just, they called that off. So he, there's nothing he could do to redeem himself in that situation. His wife just couldn't trust him or stand him anymore. Uh, But Colby obviously did something to redeem. I know there was a $4 million ring. He got his wife after that rape allegation uh, to apologize to her basically Mm -hmm. for cheating on him. I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing a lot of women would, would let you go philander for a $4 million ring uh, at least one time. (laughs) Um, But um, you know, like to the average Joe, like basketball fan or golf fan, it's like what, what you're watching when these people are doing their thing on the court is you're you're witnessing kind of a form of greatness, right? You're seeing years of hard work and dedication coupled with the perfect mindset and, um, and, and, athleticism at conjoining at a specific moment to see something amazing that no other human can do. And it's inspiring and it's motivating and it's all those things, right? So the, the question for the average fan is like, um, for me to enjoy that or get inspiration from that, what would taint that and how would I get past that taint right right and, it, and that's all dependent on how badly you want and need that person to like have that moment untainted for you i think so right do you think so, the greater so someone for me is, is, I, sorry go no ahead. i think the, I, I think the more i have invested in in that person's greatness in mm-hmm. that inspiration in that motivation uh the easier it is for them to redeem themselves like uh right. you know for me who who isn't invested in basketball greatness at all and i don't really care like it's hard for me to, um, like, uh, I, I just don't really see any huge redeeming qualities of Kobe Bryant personally, yeah. just because I, Conor McGregor, on the other hand, I really want him to succeed and it's going to be easier for him to redeem, like do the same types of things Kobe did. And for me to maybe get past them because, um, okay. because I admire what he's doing and, and there's something about him that's inspiring, but. So two things come to mind there. One is that that seems to imply that the greater someone is, the more leeway they will get because they'll be more inspiring. You'll want to be able to cheer for them. Uh, not to the greater thing. they are, but but the more I am invested or want them to be great or, or yeah. I'm rooting for them, right? I, the more I am invested emotionally in this person, yeah. uh, the, the easier it is for them to redeem themselves. And I think that's and, probably true of relationships too um you know like if if but that's how people get trapped right like exactly like if i'm a guy who it has no no options open to me like i've got i scored an amazing wife and she's way out of my league and i've got no other options um you know am i willing to let her be a total bitch to me to tread all over me to you know, maybe even yeah. cheat on me and do all these other things and essentially become a cuck uh, to save that marriage, right? To, to make sure I don't lose that thing. So, uh, you know, th- that <laughs> that's kind of 
one that that's one area of redemption, right? That so there's the redemption of like just looking past all the faults and yeah. accepting the person and and whatever. Uh, but then there's like to me true forgiveness, um, and that that is not something you can just give. Like you can't you can't forgive someone unless they uh, they do unless they show provide reparations right and they yeah. sh- like it's they can't just they say i'm sorry they, and or you can't like i don't buy this oh I, I forgive that person i think that's the wrong word to get to use in that situation i think a better word is i have closure with that situation i'm not emotionally right. invested in it anymore i've closed off that bit of my life i don't give that person who wronged me any anymore i, I don't wish them any ill will i don't think about them at all i've i've, I've achieved psychological closure here that's I think what most people mean when they say forgiveness, but I'm talking about real forgiveness where that person is now connected with you in a way uh, you're, you know, intimately again, like there, there's a relationship there and that requires right. um, them to do some things to repair what they've done. And I'm like, interested. You, you can't forgive someone unless they do that. I don't think. Right. But I'm interested in kind of shifting slightly to focus on the view of celebrity because you don't have actual personal investment with that person on average, right? So it's hard right. to actually forgive them when they didn't do anything to you, right? It's like yeah. the, the worst thing they did to you is break your image of them or something, right? But I'm interested to try and see if we think there is some hard limit, right? Like no matter how much you like someone, if, if you know they've, co- li- they've committed first degree murder, can you still value them? If like, can you still enjoy their music or, or whatever? And so I think I agree with your, your statements around actual relationships, right? It's, it's much more complicated and you have to actually feel that there's either closure or forgiveness, but when it's some like pie in the sky, essentially of this celebrity, right? Cause there are, pe- there are people who claim, no, any celebrity who's ever done anything wrong, we shouldn't talk about, they right. should be, you know, uh, black marked and, and they should be never talked about again. And then there's other people who still support people who've done, I'm sure there's some people who support people who've done heinous crimes. Um, and so I'm interested in trying to figure out if there's some sort of hard line we can think of, um, or do you think it's kind of arbitrary and people just kind of, it depends how they feel about in the moment about a specific person and, a, you know, does anyone still right. love OJ or Michael Vick? You know, he sure. had dogs killing each other or whatever, right? It, it, again, it comes back to um, how much you're kind of invested in that person doing what they do, I guess, right? So, I, I mean, but do you, you think, think that's of, uh, do you think that's reasonable, right? So, is it reasonable for right. someone uh, to still support Kobe Bryant if he had raped three women? but then was still allowed to play basketball and like, yeah, well, what we're talking about here is the reasonability and rationality of subjective experience. Right. Um, and, and so I think context matters quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like uh, let's use Trump as an example. Um, right, that's a good example. So, so Trump uh, grabs him by the pussy, cheats on his wife, has these affairs with porn stars, uh, you know, seems to exaggerate or lie constantly, you know, has a lot of, character flaws that many people 
look past. And, and I think Trump was right when he said he could kill someone in the street and still get elected. Um, people would look past that. And why would they look past Mm. those things? And it's because of, of what Trump can do for them. Right. And, and if someone can do something for you, um, then that, that you really need, or, or like maybe your survival depends on it even, um, then you can look past all of their (laughs) flaws and, you know, drum up the admiration you need in your heart to, to support them. Um, but you know, on the other hand, if, if they don't, or they represent a threat to your way of life or whatever, then, Mm. you know, there's nothing right that they can do. Right. So, and, and, and where's the rational line there? What's, you know, I think, again, you have to apply rationality to each individual case. You can't just write a rule across the board, um, and do it. And so I think we kind of have to, I, I think it's a worthwhile exercise to discover in our own lives. Okay. Why is it that I'm letting all this shit Trump does? Like I would never let my daughter near him. I would never, if my daughter ever wanted to marry someone like this guy who had the character of this guy, I would never allow it. Yet right. here I am cheering this guy on and like worshiping him essentially mm-hmm. on the stage. What is it about that? What, what, like, I think there's some interesting work to do to explore that. And I think when it comes down to it, it's like people are desperate for a change. People are like, we, we are living quiet lives of desperation, right? And I think a lot of the people we venerate on, in the public square, whether they're performing artists or uh, basketball stars or, or whatever, sports celebrities, I mean, these, we, our lives are, are empty in a way, like these people are filling a need that we're, right. we're that are is unfilled, and, and so if if we notice why we're venerating these people and ignoring all their character flaws that we would never ignore in people that are close to us, we might recognize the fact that maybe our at our um, th- there's a reason why we're venerating these people, and it might have to do with a void in our own lives. It might have to do with the fact that we uh, are are feeling helpless in our own lives or not doing the things we need to do in our own lives to become the hero of our own story or something like that. And, and, you know, so, so I think it's more of a, an exercise. It's some, it's like a trigger for self-examination to me. If I start to notice that I'm admiring someone who has some character flaws. Yeah. And I think more than people need a change. Like I think politically that was true, but I think people do need some sort of heroes, right? And Donald Trump is a hero to many people and Kobe Bryant right. and all of these people. And I think that does come from emptiness inside. And and because there's such a need for heroes in today's culture, like I really think there is, then you're going to be able to forgive them more because you need right to be able to cheer for someone who's great, who cares about greatness because it's very rare. And so you ha- you, your, your mind has to forgive that, oh, well, at least they tried to be great even though they had all of these other flaws or personal flaws and it doesn't matter. And I think if we had actual, like, you know, through and through great people, um, then the standard might be higher for someone who, who slips up in their personal life and who isn't a good role model generally. Um, but I think there's such a need for it um, that people can forgive more. But I'm also, I'm interested in asking about what if you found out something after the fact, right? 
from someone's past, right? So, because there's this idea of, you know, something happens and you have to reassess someone that they would behave this certain way. But what if, you know, mm-hmm. Kobe's uh, alleged rape was never found out, wasn't public. He's 40 now. He's redeemed himself. Let's say he's not who he is. I don't know who's a good example of this, right? But let's say they've turned their life around. He's a fully upstanding citizen. And then you find out when he was 20, he did something wrong, right? There's this kind of cognitive dissonance because you don't think this person could have done that thing. But, you know, do you think there's a, a difference like a practical difference or a difference in mentality when that's the pattern. Cause you know, I think of myself again, there are people who, if they found out certain things that I did, they, they, it would be, they wouldn't like it very much. Right. But I'm not that person anymore. And when I'm 40, right, right. I won't be that person for 20 years, but I still made those mistakes. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, I think some of this is subjective and th- there's a lot at play here. Like, how important is this person? Like, how much do you rely on them? Um, is that rely- reliance uh, rational? Like, I'll give you an example that I saw on the internet. Okay, okay, okay ima- imagine you have found, like, uh, the perfect woman who loves your objectivist mind, who is a smoke show, who checks off all the boxes yeah. and, like, you marry her and, and you're getting me excited after maybe after that six months of marriage, she lets it slip that before she met you, she was involved in a gangbang. And, uh, (laughs) you know, what, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, Like what? So, so now there's a disconnect here, right? Because, because, okay, what I would want to know now in that, in this situation is how did you go from that person? Yeah. This, thought who wanted a gangbang and who enjoyed the hell out of it and was like an enthusiastic <laughs> participant yeah. to this, this person. monogamous committed right. person who's going to be the mother of my children and who would never want their daughters to do that like how did you become that or is that person still there or like who did I marry now like I, right. I, I've and to me it's not a reflection maybe so much on that person as it is on myself as to how did I not know this intimate detail? How did I let all this other stuff blind me? And I not, I I look past maybe some obvious red flags or, or different things. And what else did like, like what else am I missing here? Yeah. You know, that these are things that are popping up, up for me. Right. And so, um, I mean, to me again, like for the Kobe Bryant thing, I want to know like how, how did he redeem himself? Because, how because did the, he... the hero, the hero, the hero story is also about redemption, right? There's right. always the hero is at a low point. Like he's screwed up. He's been defeated. He is like on the ropes and he's down in the dumps and he's, and then he comes back somehow, right? He right. picks himself up and he corrects all the wrongs that he's done and, and like kind of redeems himself and then elevates, right? That's part of the hero's narrative. And without that, the, the hero isn't as great in my mind. Yeah. And I think when you put it to me, like when you reflect the question back to me, I do say, yeah, it would really depend on talking to that person about their view of their change. And do I think it's authentic, right? Do I think they actually saw the errors in their way and then even still weighing, can I forgive whatever it is they did or not? But it really comes down to are they honest with themselves? Do they understand why right. they did it and why they shouldn't have or why they didn't 
they don't have those values anymore. Um, so I yeah, suppose like maybe your, maybe your wife like had an enthusiastic gangbang the night before she met you and, and just decided this is the one this like, maybe she was feeling so guilty about it and you were kind of like her rebound or her cure for what she saw as. So well, rather so, than doing all the self exploration into why, why was it that I love this gangbang so much and why do I still harbor this kind of lust for the, this kind of prom- promiscuous sexual lifestyle and I'm using David as the cure here and like he doesn't know anything about this. Like all these things start to come up, right? It's right. Like, well, so I, yeah, I mean, we're not going to, we don't have to get into psychoanalyzing this fake situation, no, need, but I think we need to understand why this chick's doing the gangbang. I need well, to know no, I, I do think on. that's true. I think, thought. right. So if it was just that, like she met me and changed her life, but didn't reconcile how she used to be, she just, wants to be different for me. I don't think that's as valid, right? I'd be more pleased with someone who changed beforehand, right? But I think this does bring it back to what you brought up in the last episode about Kobe, about you feel like Conor McGregor, for example, has shown that he's recognized his errors and makes amends. And you didn't feel at least that Kobe did that. I have no idea if he did, right? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't seen it. And I think in, so I think what you've, your message from the beginning of this episode has finally sunk into me that it is really very context dependent, both on the degree of the relationship with someone, the degree of the damage or the degree of the redemption. And, and so I think both in personal and celebrity, it is about that. And then all of those things will determine whether or not you can forgive X egregious act. Right? So, you know, if someone saved a million people but killed 10 because they're a soldier well no it's okay you killed 10 people that's acceptable right um and so yeah well and and context is very different the context is important but i also think it brings up interesting questions about greatness as well right yeah um you know like think think about steve jobs you know by all accounts he was an asshole to employees but he did great things Mm -hmm. right he was a miser who lived at home and like there's some negative personal aspect and it seems like anyone who's great who is a, who's achieved amazing things that most humans can't they have this obsession driving them that everything else falls off to the wayside that they they push everything back they, they you know they run roughshod over people they do whatever they need to like they just don't they're they're, they're not good they're not people who you would want to be friends with or people who would be provide value in that kind of relationship well, and yet there's an admiration there and yeah do you want to be like that i mean there, there are lessons to learn here like what would you trade for greatness in other words and and this comes back to these old stories of would you trade your soul uh you know would you sign on the dotted line with lucifer if, if right. it gave you the world right what's what is the price of fame what is the price of 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 all these things that we admire i i think we need to think about that i mean i think that yeah. that there's lessons there that you can gain the world and lose your soul and what does that look like i definitely agree in broad strokes but i think i mean i don't know the specifics around steve jobs but i think we always have to be careful in cases like that because maybe people thought he was an asshole to them but i also disagree with the way most people view the world and the way people should treat sure. one another right so i think there are a lot of sensitive little flowers who would be in Steve Jobs's way when they should actually be working with him and, and accept his view of the world rather than theirs. Right. So, I mean, and I mean, that's the whole like objectivist 
moral premise of like the world is mostly wrong in the way they view interrelations and and that sort of thing. But I agree broadly that the, the way we think about greatness is important. And, Mm -hmm. and I think in, you know, in these specific examples of celebrity and things like that, it's, it's not just, would you sell your soul for the world? It's, if you start to notice your soul slipping as you're so focused on greatness, how do you balance that? How do you take a step back from basketball and realize, Oh no, man, I'm really losing myself. Um, And I think that is uh, really important. And like you said, that's what you, you saw as Conor McGregor of having done like, Oh wow, I'm really kind of losing myself into this celebrity. I need to get back to who I am. And I think you hear a lot of the grounded celebrities talk about how you know their family their loved ones but there's something holding them to who they were before so i think that the the pursuit of greatness is by no means easy um well and and i think you know if we talk about greatness in politics it's very obvious that you that's a requirement of being great in politics is you do have to sell your soul um like you have to sell who you are as an individual to win an election you have to become an aggregate of the character people project on you of what they want you to be. And um, I would say, I don't that, think you that have is essentially to. essentially the definition. Well, that's the most effective strategy. And that's why politicians all seem like sociopaths who yeah. say nothing, right? It seems like you have to in politics. I don't think you'd actually have to, but uh, who knows? Well, I, you're, you're, you and I are thinking long-term people won't have to, right? Like, I've opted out of politics until such a time where I think I could win as myself and not as some caricature. Right. But I think, you know, what would require, like, just think about what it would require for people to vote for a guy they don't like that much, but who has the right policies or something. Um, no, but they have I to. I mean, that, that, would, that, would, that would require a fundamental change in human nature. Almost. No, no, no. They have to still like you, but it's about they have to like you because you're a genuine person. They don't have to like everything about right. you, right? So it's, but it, it, yeah, it would be a complete cultural change. But so I think we're getting, we're, we're steering off topic a little bit, but I think we covered the main points I wanted to, to kind of think through at least a bit, you know, what are the limits of acceptability and, and how it is complex. And so, um, you know, I still don't think you've redeemed your joke from the end of last episode, but. Oh, well, well <laughs> I just have to get really good at shooting a basketball. So you'll look past my character uh, flaws, I guess. No, no, I, I'd say generally, I still give you the benefit of the doubt. You're, you're someone I respect well enough that I think you'd have more leeway than most people in terms of what I'd forgive because I yeah, because I do think you have the right principles. You're aiming in the right direction more so than almost anyone. So, so I forgive you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, David. <laughs> Whew. Whew. I really like the dark humor. I just, I don't know what it is about that. But there was no humor in it. Yeah, there was. The, the, the shock value of it was the humor in and of itself. That's what uh, comedy is. It's basically shock and then relief after that i guess there was but there was no like if you would have at least done it in a way that was comedic like start the tweet as if it was like right that's what i'm saying he didn't start it as if he was gonna send his condolences he just got angry and so it's not 
shocking to me that some people hate Kobe Bryant, right? It's just like, oh, this guy just didn't like him. It's like, a re- it's not, I'm not mad at it like a bunch of people would be. I just think it's not funny and kind of stupid, right? That's uh, yeah, maybe. more what I meant. All right. Thanks, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Tim.